What's going on, guys? We're back with another hostile Q&A, and I know it's been a while, but I want to get to these questions. You guys put them up some time ago, and I'm going to start doing these weekly again. Uh, we kind of dropped off. Things have been really busy with the business. Uh, I'm kind of doing my own channel with the podcast and things like that. So it hasn't been very easy to get from, you know, the podcast to the business to doing these Q&As plus training for a show. Is, it's just things have been very, very busy, but I am going to make an effort to make sure these Q&As come back up once a week. Uh, either by myself or I might have Justin Harris on with me. Uh, and we may even have some fans come on from time to time and do some of these Q and A's with us. So, but for now I have 70 questions here and I'm not going to set a timer. I'm just going to try and answer all of them. But again, I always want, I want you guys to know that the answers that you're getting, I'm not an expert. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a guru. The answers I'm going to give you are from my own experience of my own 20 years of bodybuilding and things that have worked for me and things that haven't worked for me. So I hope I can answer your questions the best I can. So without wasting any more time, let's get started. Carson Lifting says, is cardio after a workout fine if you've consumed an intra-workout or some sort of EAAs? Yep, I think it is fine. I think definitely I would never advise to do cardio before training. I mean, doing a little bit of a warm-up, like five minutes or 10 minutes, that's not cardio. I mean, like I would never advise doing a full cardio session before training. But doing cardio after training is fine, especially if you've had like intra R3 or some silo nine or something um, to kind of replenish the muscle and start the recovery process. Ideally, the best way to do cardio, in my opinion, is always split it away from your training. But if you have time constraints because of work or family or anything else, then it's totally okay and you got to get it in. It's, it's better to get it in than, not, than to not get it in at all. NSAID99 says, when's the protein being released? Uh, actually, we just finalized flavors last week. I'm really excited. We have, you know, it took us some time. I, I, I sent back the chocolate peanut butter, the chocolate peanut butter. I sent back probably five or six times because I just wanted more peanut butter. And I think we finally nailed it. Uh, the cookies and cream is perfect. We have a secret flavor that we're going to be releasing that I absolutely love, but everything should be out by Christmas time. And, uh, hopefully you guys will be able to get it for Christmas as gifts for whoever or gifts to yourself. So we're looking at, we're looking at a December timeline, hopefully. Uh, Hugh 616 says, what are your thoughts on cardio with a weight vest? My thoughts on cardio are very simple. And, and this is only in terms of burning fat. Um, doing cardio for cardiovascular reasons or for building endurance, that's something completely separate. But as far as just burning fat and maintaining muscle, my goal is always to just get my heart into the, into a, a target uh, heart rate zone, which is usually between 120, 140. If you can do that without a weight vest, I don't think it's necessary. I'm not using the weight vest. Like when I do cardio, I'm not doing cardio to etch in any lines or any striations or get any more muscular or anything like that. So I don't really see the point of using a weight vest when it comes to just fat loss. Um, my training with weights is what's going to build the muscle is what's going to create separation and striations and density to the muscle hard, the hard look to the muscle. My diet is going to help me burn fat. My cardio is just an amplification of the fat burning process. So if you can get to your heart rate up to 130, 140 without a weight vest, I don't feel like it's necessary. Like for me, for example, people ask me all the time, well, what kind of cardio is your favorite cardio? And I tell them my favorite cardio is a cardio that gets my heart rate up the fastest. So some days, I'll do the bike, I'll do the recumbent bike and I'll sit there and I'll put the resistance up to like level 10 and that'll get my heart rate up really fast. And I'll do that for 45, 40 or 45 minutes. Sometimes if I don't feel like, you know, pedaling really hard, I'll jump on the step mill 
and I'll just trot along at level three. If I'm on level three, my heart rate's up at 130, 140. Now that's going to be different for everybody. I weigh 275 pounds. So just being on the step mill on level three is going to get my heart rate up. If you weigh 175 pounds, you're probably going to have to go a little faster to get your heart rate up. Um, but the key is to get your heart rate up. Wearing the weight vest is not going to make you any leaner, any faster. It, it will get your heart rate up faster. Like if you, let's say, let's, I'll use it this way. If you're walking outside, for example, uh, cause you don't have cardio available to you, right? Cause of, cause of COVID or whatever. If walking outside with no weight vest isn't really getting your heart rate up, then yes, wearing a, wearing a weight vest will get your heart rate up. But if you have access to cardio equipment, that's going to get your heart rate up anyways, then I feel like the weight vest might be just redundant. It's not really necessary. So it really depends what, uh, access, what cardio access you have. Uh, if it's just walking outside, then you might need the weight vest to get your heart rate boosted. Uh, David Gilmatten 50 says, Hey, boss nutrition question for you and SOS. If I sound like a complete dumbass, but when it comes to using olive oil for fats instead of avocado, I just can't eat them. Does it matter what grade I use? Cheers boss. Um, I'm assuming you mean what grade of olive oil. I, I think the purest grade is always probably the best, right? Because I think a lot of olive oils aren't really olive oils. They're mixed with, um, vegetable oils like canola oil and stuff like that. So it's hard to find, you know, I, I know, I know a lot of companies aren't putting the actual amount of olive oil that's in the bottle on the label. So I don't really have a technique for getting the best olive oil. I just look for the one I think is the purest, the purest brand, extra virgin, cold pressed, whatever it may be. It's probably going to be a little more expensive. If you're obviously buying the cheapest one in a plastic bottle and it comes in a gallon, most likely there's very little olive oil in there. Um, you're going to, you're going to pay for quality. So if it's a little more expensive, you're probably better off. Um, but yeah, I think the better, doesn't matter what grade you choose. I, I would say yes, because you want the olive oil because it's a healthier fat than using a vegetable oil. So look for extra virgin cold pressed, Look for the price. Look for look for indicators that it's not a cheap, shitty brand. Or do some consumer reports research, and see what you can find about a brand that you did find, and see if uh, what the reviews look like. Uh, that's always a good option too. So, but olive oil is a good, like when it comes to fats and diet. Like I said, if it's not about health and it's more about macros, a lot of I know a lot of people that can't don't do well with avocados. So if you have to add. Uh, olive oil or coconut oil is a little different because it's going to be a little faster digesting, but you have to add olive oil or maybe you have to add nuts like almonds or peanut butter or something like that. That's okay. You got, sometimes just, you have to get in the fats one way or another. Uh, will there be a line of hostile bandanas dropping soon? I don't think so. <laughs> I think, I think um, the bandana thing is cool. But uh, I don't think, I think there's other hostile stuff that I want to get released first. Maybe after we get all the hostile stuff released and we have some time, we'll work on getting the bandanas released. What I might do, you know, it's a good idea. The, the bandana is really just the bottom of a shirt that's cut off. What I might do is maybe make a shirt with a sleeve that has something where if you cut off the sleeve, it'll already have the bandana print in the sleeve. So like, for example, this has you know, sacrifice without regret here. So if I cut this off and made it a bandana, it would already have the print on it. So maybe we can make a shirt that kind of has that built into it. So we'll, we'll see. 
Tommy Gunn says, looking good. Thank you. JKW1963 says, best combination of supplements and gear for fat burning during fasted cardio. Uh, on the hostile channel, hostile channel, we don't talk about gear. Um, the best combination of supplements is the combination we have. Uh, we're going to, we're working on releasing a fat burner. Um, the best, the best thing to do for fat loss is not supplements, uh, or gear. Um, I'm going to say this, if you can't get your diet right, it won't matter. And I'm in the supplement business. So I'm telling you the honest truth. If you can't get your diet right, it won't matter what supplements you're on performance enhancing or not. If you can't get your diet right, it does not matter what you do. There is no way to outdo a shitty diet. Okay. So if you guys are looking to supplements to help your diet, you're looking in the wrong place. Get your diet adjusted to your body so that you can start losing weight. And anything you add on top of that is just an amplification. Okay. Fit Mouse Apparel says, when did you decide gyno surgery was the right decision? I was 360 pounds down to 240, but still have the lower chest fat. It's partially genetic in my family too. My upper chest is developed and it looks, got, it looks awkward. Well, first thing you have to do is make sure you actually have gyno and it's not just fat. So, and the reason I say that is it's genetic in my family as well. We all have uh, a little bit of fat in this area. I carry like when I get shredded for a show, the last place I use, lose fat is my love handles and my pecs. So uh, I know what it's like. And if there's fat there, that doesn't mean there's gyno there necessarily. It means you just need to get leaner and you can't really tell until you, uh, if you have gyno until you get extremely lean and then you see whether there's a lump there or not. Uh, so I wouldn't worry about it. it I, I would, if I was you, I would concern myself with getting rid of the fat and then seeing what's left after all the fat's gone. Um, but you know what? Let me answer the beginning of that question. When did I decide gyno surgery was right for me was, I was getting on stage and I had a lump there from gynecomastia. And I was like, this is not doable because now I'm, I'm shredded. I have no water, no fat on my body. And when I go on stage in certain poses, you can see a lump there and it's not, it's not doable for a bodybuilding career. So I had to, that was, it was after one or two shows where I noticed it was very noticeable. I went and saw a doctor and I had, uh, the, I think it's the breast gland. I don't know exactly what the gland is called. I think it's, I don't know, but I had the gland removed and, um, I haven't had a problem since. So Clay Knight says, how many exercises do you think is best per body part? Uh, it's going to depend on the person. Everybody's different. Uh, for me personally, um, bigger muscle groups, four exercises. So, or four or five, depending on the day, right? Like if it's legs or back, I might do five exercises. Uh, for back, uh, I might do five for legs, but that's going to include hamstrings too. So I would say four is a solid rule for me for bigger body parts. And then for smaller body parts, like shoulders or arms, I would say at least three, I have done four for shoulders, but for arms, for sure. Three, uh, I wouldn't go over three exercises for arms. Um, yeah. So just think bigger body part, you might need an extra exercise or two, smaller body part. You could probably get away with three, maybe four, but it's always in that range, right? Three to three to five exercises. I usually don't, some people go in, they'll do like eight exercises and it, it has worked. I've talked to some pros on the podcast that it's worked for, but it's just not my thing. Right. I feel, I feel like four, if you're doing a, a, a pro split where you have, you know, one or two body parts a day, 
I feel like four exercises is a pretty good number to go with and three on a smaller body part. Uh, Blake Ackman says, love all your content, a little personal, but do you think you will ever do a cribs type video where you go through your home cars, man cave and some highs and lows of your career, et cetera. I think it's a good idea. Um, I'd like to, uh, I'm proud of everything I have. I'm proud of everything that bodybuilding has given me. The reason I haven't yet is because we're still renovating our house. So me and my wife bought a home that's about 20 years old and it was decorated in a very old school Italian way, which was beautiful for what it was, right? It had a very traditional look, a lot of Roman Colosseum stuff. And um, our style is a little different. We have like a little bit more contemporary style. So we've been kind of gutting the house. So I don't really want to do a tour until everything's finished. And then I, I, I probably will, but it's, we've really taken our time. It's been about a year because the basement of my house is finished. So I basically live in the basement. I have a kitchen down here. My bar is down here where I have all my supplements. I have a living room down here. My office is down here, like where the studio is and everything. So uh, I've been basically living in the basement uh, since we moved in and we're kind of redoing the upstairs, uh, the main floor. And it's, we're just taking our time with it. So until it's finished, I don't really want to do a tour because, you know, we want everything to look good. So in time, I will. Andre Man Fitness says, if you had to pick one or and one only one exercise for triceps, which one would you pick? It's tough. It would either be tricep press down, tricep cable press downs, because they give me a crazy pump, or it would be skull crushers, lying so lying tricep extensions or skull crushers, because those I feel like are the best tricep mass builder. So. I don't know if I had to only pick one. I think I'd go with skull crushers because I think it would, it would end up giving me more size in my arms overall. Uh, Aguilar Daddy says, you and Jay talked about doing 20 sets per body part on training days for legs. Are you doing 20 total or 20 for hams and 20 for quads? Well, it's tricky because I have two leg days. And one day is a quad dominant day and one day is a hamstring dominant day. So for example, like on Tuesday, for example, I'll go in and do a ham dominant day. So that day I'll do 20 sets for hamstrings. Now they're not all working sets. So, and that's Jay, Jay does 20. I probably do 16 and probably only six of them are like six or seven of them are working sets. Um, and when I say working sets, I mean like, you know, 85% of your max or more. Uh, max, for, max for eight to 10 reps. So 85% workload for eight to 10 reps um, that to me is considered a working set. So I'm more in the 16 sets range, including all your feeder sets and everything. Jay's in the 20 range, but going back to your question for legs, if I was doing hams, like a hamstring dominant day, I would probably do 16 sets for hamstrings and four for quads, leaving me with 20 total. Right. And then on the reverse side, if I was doing my quad dominant day, I would be doing 16 sets for quads and four for hamstrings. Now it might be more than four. It might end up being six, but you get the point. Like 80% of the workout is quad, 20% of the workout is ham. And on the hamstring day, it's vice versa. So it'll be 80% hamstring, 20% quad. I don't think if you're training really hard, you can do 100% of hamstrings and 100% of quads and get an effective workout unless you're genetically gifted in the leg department and you don't need a second day. 
most people nowadays like having two leg days and usually they're set up the way I have them set up where they have like a one day is more hamstring focused and one day is more quad focused. Martin Feely says, what are your thoughts on a calorie counting diet as opposed to a macro counting diet? Um, I, I always like the, I like the macro, a macro counting diet myself, but only, how can I put this? Look, this, this some of these rules are only going to apply to me. And, and I'm not saying they're the way that everybody has to do them. I like using single ingredient foods. Okay. So I don't like using, like when I say single ingredient foods, I say rice, rice. When you look at the ingredient panel, what's it say? It says rice, right? Uh, potato. There's no ingredient panel. It's just potato. Um, like oatmeal. It's just oats, right? There's no, but if, if I'm using things like bread or, you know, white pasta stuff, you look at the ingredient panel. Now you have like six, seven, eight, ten ingredients. I, I don't want to use that stuff. So I'm going to say I use them. I would rather calculate my food using macros, right? Than I than I would calories. Um, but only from single ingredient foods. Okay, so I usually have seven or eight foods I choose, and those are the seven or eight foods I use in various combinations when I'm dieting for a show. In the off season, I'll add some variety. Obviously, I have some bread, I have some bagels, I have some whatever in the off season. But when I'm prepping for a show, you know, it's very simple: egg whites, chicken, steak, fish, whole eggs, and whey. Those six, those six are my protein sources. Then I have rice, oatmeal, potato, sweet potato, and that's it. It's like four or five. I'm probably missing something like cream of rice or something. There's like four or five carb sources. So total, I'm like, you know. 10 to 15 foods, 10 to 12 foods max. And that's all I have to choose from. And I rearrange them in orders I need. And then if I want to add fats, I'll throw in olive oil, avocado, uh, some nuts, maybe like almonds, or maybe some peanut butter, and maybe some uh, fish oil. Um, and that's about it. That's, those are my sources. So when you include the protein, the carbs, and the fats, I'm looking at about 20 different foods max. And I use those 20 different foods. They're all single ingredient. And I use them to mix and match the way I need to set up my program. But I like doing macro calor macro counts because it's just easier for me. I can look at my program and say, okay, I'm eating 200 grams of rice. And 200 grams of rice is yielding this look. And I want to get a little bit leaner. So you know what? I'm going to go to 175 grams of rice. I know 200, 200 grams of rice is going to give me... Uh, I believe it's like 56 grams of carbs, depending on what rice you use. So I'm like, okay, I want to take away some. So I'm going to do 150 grams instead of 200. So I know I'm probably going to get 40 grams of carbs roughly around there from that 150 grams. So I, it's, just how, it's just how I started. Now doing calorie counting is not wrong. It's going to be the same result regardless. If, if you're using the same foods, you're going to get the same result with ca using, cal using calorie counting methods. It's just for me, since I started this way 20 years ago, I look at a diet. I, I don't even look at the numbers. I look at the amounts. So it's like, okay, I'm eating seven ounces of protein per meal. I'm eating 200 grams of rice per meal. I'm eating one tablespoon of fats per meal, right? If I want to gain weight or lose weight, I don't necessarily even look at the numbers. I kind of know what they are roughly. That's why I picked the amounts I picked. Um, but I'm not really looking at the numbers anymore now that I know where they're at. Now I'm like, okay, well, I feel like I need more protein. So I'm going to go to eight ounces per meal, or I feel like 
I need to get a, bit, a little bit leaner. So I'm going to cut my carbs a little bit. So I'm going to go to 175 grams of rice per meal instead of 200. That's kind of always how I've done it. And it's always been the easiest way for me to do it. So that's just how I set up my diets and how I, how I look at things. Now, when someone's on the podcast, I always say like, you know, what are your calories at? But that's just more to give the viewer or listener an idea of what the person's eating. But it's not the way most of us do it. Most of us adjust our diets based on the macro count or the weight amount of the food itself. Cloudy Mind 1985 says, best healthy peanut butter brand that you would use with Ezekiel bread. Thanks, by the way, best bread ever. Um, as far as peanut butter brand, I don't really care, I guess. I should care, but I don't. As long as it's natural peanut butter and in the, in the ingredients, it just says nuts. I, I don't really care. Maybe I should pay more attention to detail on that one, but I don't really care if it's craft or if it's whatever the other, you know, posh brands are. I, I don't really care. As long as there's nothing in it but nuts, I'm good to go. Muscle and Meow says, could I add three grams of Hydromax to hostility to make it an all-in-one pre-workout and pump, or would it counteract other ingredients? Uh, it's already an all-in-one pre-workout. You don't need Hydromax to it to add to it you can add to it, it it's not going to hurt the product um but it, it's an all-in-one product i mean that's how hostility was formed right you have citrulline you have six grams of citrulline you have three grams of no3t uh, i believe two two or three grams of no3t i don't have it in front of me right now but that is enough to get you a pump you're if you're not getting a pump it means you're eating or your hydration is off those two ingredients together should be enough to get you a pump. If you want more, I would buy the bloodshot and that's more pump focused. I would buy the bloodshot and add instead of like, I guess I put it this way, instead of adding Hydromax to hostility, I would buy the bloodshot and add a caffeine pill. Right. It's cheaper because Hydromax is more expensive than caffeine pills. And it's, Bloodshot has five different pump ingredients in it. So it's going to be better for you than adding Hydromax to the hostility. So if you're looking to adjust something, I would do, and you want like more pump, I would buy Bloodshot and a caffeine pill, caffeine tab, capsule, open the capsule in your shaker cup and you have Bloodshot with a little bit of stim in it. Perfect, right? But if you're just looking for an all-in-one pre-workout, hostility is an all-in-one pre-workout. That is how we made it. There, if, if you haven't seen it, go to my channel. Uh, there is in a playlist, there's a playlist called, I believe, Hostile Supplements. Click on it and there's a video on Bloodshot and there's a video on hostility. If you go through the hostility video, you'll see there is four different categories that we nailed uh, with at least two ingredients minimum per category to cover all your bases for a pre-workout. There is nothing you need to add to it to make it any better. But if you want more pump and you want, you're trying to get more of a pump pre-workout, buy Bloodshot, add caffeine, you're all set. Tips for someone thinking about, Harper Ben says, tips for someone thinking about doing their first show. Well, it's a very, very broad question. Um, the first thing I would do is go watch a show first go see what it's like go see what the people look like go see what you're up against that way because you know sometimes i see people getting ready for their first show and it's it's like they've never seen a bodybuilding show before they show up they're way out of shape 
They don't have any tan on. Their posing sucks. They really have done no homework. Do some homework. Go to a show. See what the winner looks like. See how conditioned he is. See what his color looks like. See what his posing is like. That's what I did. That way, when you go and you, you're going back to your gym to train, you have an idea of what you're like, the, what you want to see in your, is already in your mind. You're like, okay, I know how shredded I have to be. I know what my posing is supposed to look like. I know what my color looks like. And then you have an idea of what you're shooting for. If you just go into it blindly, then you don't, you know what I mean? And don't, and don't think because you watch something online, it's the same. It's not the same. Go, if you can, go to a show and watch in person because it's very different than seeing it on Instagram or in, on YouTube or anything like that, okay? So that'd be my first advice. Second advice, make sure you commit. Don't give yourself any outs, okay? If you're committed, you're committed. You're like, I'm doing the show. I don't care what happens. I don't care if I lose. I don't care about anything. I'm committed to the show. I'm gonna give it every single ounce of energy I have and then be very consistent. And that's probably the best three tips I can give you. If we're going to get a little more detailed, I would say find a coach. I, I don't believe in not having a coach. Some people out there think it's like a badge of honor that you like did a show on your own and nobody taught you anything. I think it's stupid and ridiculous to waste time with trial and error when there's hundreds of people out there that have really good information. Uh, you can contact Ben Chow. You can contact Justin Harris. You contact any number of these online coaches and get a really good coach to help you with setting up your diet and your training. So you, when you get to your first show, you look the way you're supposed to look and you're not just guessing. So those are probably my best four tips I can give you off the bat. Big Beast J. Bray says, J.B. Ray says, in your arm workouts, does it, does it take many sets to get the blood and pump in? Either way, what exercises do you go to first to get the pump in the arms? Um, sometimes it does, you know, that's why I don't necessarily love training arms. Sometimes it takes me a while to get a pump in my arms. And sometimes I go in there and it's great. It's like, you know, right away. So, uh, I would say tricep press downs, give me a pump immediately. Uh, by the time I'm done that exercise, I usually warm up with it. So, you know, after doing it for six sets, you know, a couple warm ups and then four, four sets, um, I, I generally have a pretty good pump going into the next thing. And then for arms, I would say dumbbell curls, seated dumbbell curls is a really, really good one to give me, or even, you know, I've been doing lately is I've been doing uh, cable curls with a, with a cambered bar. So I grab a cambered bar, set up the cable and I do standing cable curls with the cambered bar. And it seems to, I think because of the, the, the cadence of the rep and the, the way the strength curve is because the cable doesn't really give you any dead spots. So you kind of have to have to control the weight the whole way through and I end up getting a really good pump from there. And then I can move on to like some heavier stuff with uh, free weights. So those two exercises are probably my go-to. Building Bari says, Hey Fuad, my question is this, when designing and formulating your products, how did you decide on the manufacturer you wanted to use? I've heard mixed things about finding a manufacturing team you can trust with consistent testing and quality standards. Thanks and keep up the great work. Love the hostile subs team. So the first thing we did was make sure we had a GMP certified manufacturer. Um, that ensures that we're going to, you know, they're not cutting any corners. And then the next thing was we tried to see, um, one of the things that I, I like to see is lead times. If a manufacturer says to me, I can produce your product in two weeks, it, it's worrisome to me because I feel like they're not taking their time. Uh, our manufacturer, for example, it takes, it could take up to eight weeks 
to get stuff manufactured and get stuff ready. And they don't do small runs. We do very large runs and it takes some time to get them done. And it's, it's okay. I like it that way. That means the quality assurance is there. Um, they do their own testing on our, they do randomized testing on our products as they come off the line. We get to see all the reports. We get all the batch testing. We get everything from them. There's nothing, everything's completely transparent. There's nothing hidden from us. And, um, you know, I went before we, before we locked in, it wasn't just a phone call. You know, we, I, I flew there. I flew to the facility and they showed me around. They walked me around. They showed me how everything worked. Um, we did some in-house testing of some products and uh, I felt very comfortable after seeing some other operations. I felt very comfortable with the manufacturer we went with. It's a very professionally run uh, company. They, like I said, they don't cut any corners and I don't feel like they're willing to sacrifice their quality or their reputation just to add another client. Right. Cause I think some of these people just want to add as many people as possible. Hey, we'll manufacture your stuff. I'll have it ready, have it ready for you two weeks. We can do runs of like 200 if you want. And I'm like, that's a little worrisome. I'm like, how many of me do you have? You must be manufacturing for like 800 companies and how perfect is it going to be? How, how, you know? So I feel like, not trying to sell me on time and, 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 you know, I just felt like they're like, look, this is how things work. It's going to take this much time. This is how things are done. This is how, this is how it has to be for the quality to be where you want it. And they were very confident in the way they did things. And it sold me on. And then that in combination with seeing their facility, the fact that they're GMP certified, um, it made me very comfortable to be honest with you. And and, it, and I don't, I, I'm very satisfied with the choice we've made. Their flavoring is probably the best in the industry. Um, they do their own in-house flavoring and it's, it's amazing. So yeah, I, I, there's a, there's a number of different factors that go into choosing a manufacturer. Some, some people it's for, for some people it's money for some people it's, how fast can I get things turned around for some people? It's how small of a run can I do so that I can order more stuff and get more products out? Uh, none of that, none of those things were factors for me. For me, the, the main factor was how good is the quality coming out and we will work around your timeline and all that. We'll make it work. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's how it went. I am big rich 87 says what in your opinion and experience is the desired rep range to build muscle and strength. Uh, I mean, you're always going to build muscle and strength, right? Like, and those are two different things too. I mean, look, if you're lifting in a three rep range, you're going to build muscle, right? You're not, you're not going to not build muscle. It's just what's optimal. So optimally, I feel like you want to be in the six to 12 range, maybe eight to 12 range to build for the most hypertrophy, right? Uh, if you're working on building strength and not worried about building volume to the muscle, um, you're probably more likely going to lift in the three to five range, even, even singles or doubles. So they do, there is a differentiation. I just don't like it when people say, well, you're not going to build muscle. If you do three rep sets, you are going to build muscle. You're just not going to build as much muscle as you would if you did more set, more reps because the, the muscle is going to have more volume to it. Right? So um, yeah, so that's, that's the two you're looking at lower range reps for strength 
anywhere from singles to doubles, three to five rep max probably. Uh, and you're probably more in the eight to 12, even you can go six to eight sometimes, but I would say eight to 12 in the hypertrophy range to actually build voluminous muscle. Seller Mike says, will tattoos hinder your appearance on stage? Uh, they could. I have two tattoos, but they don't hinder, hinder my look because they're not that big and they don't cover any deep lines. But like, I know some guys that have their whole back tattooed, that's going to definitely hurt you. Like they have tan that can cover up those tattoos, but the tan almost makes your skin look thicker. So it hurts your conditioning a little bit while it's covering up your tattoo. So I think if you want to have a successful career in bodybuilding, get a forearm tattoo. You know, Ian's got a forearm tattoo. Just Chris Bumstead's got a forearm tattoo. Or get a tattoo on your back. Just don't make it like your whole back. Like I have one on my back. It's like just in the center of my back. Um, there are different ways to get tattoos to, to make sure they're not obscuring the way the muscle looks. Max Moritz says, when you make a workout video, can you type it in below? Exercise sets, reps of type of thing. Uh, yeah, I'll get right on that, Max. <laughs> you know, guys, I, I do my best to bring you guys information and it just seems like it, it's just never enough. Um, you know, we're working on a trainer. I'm working on a daily trainer. And when it's released, it will have all the sets, reps, and exercises and everything. We have an ebook that I released. The ebook on the website, if you check it out, has all the sets, reps, you know. Uh, you know, sometimes people want everything for free. And we do a lot. I, I give a lot back through this podcast, through my podcast, through these Q&As for free. If you want more, you can always buy more, right? Like we have... Justin Harris is on our team. He's a, an amazing coach. If you need more detail, hire a coach. If you need uh, sets and reps for a program, buy the ebook. There are many different ways to get more information um, than for free, right? I mean, you're getting plenty of free information. You know, you might want to just pop open the wallet once in a while and um, you'll pay. If you want more information, pay for it. You can, there's, it's always there for you. Um, Alex Colette Nelson says, or Alex, Alex, Alex Scott Nelson. Sorry, guys. You talk about going, you talk about going, okay, this is, I have to reread, reread this for you guys. You talk about the importance of going to failure, but how many failure sets do you include in your workout? Also, when do you go to failure? Do you like failing at predetermined number of sets or do you just do as many reps as you can until you reach failure? Uh, failure is usually the last set of an exercise. So if I do four exercises for a workout, there's four failure sets. That doesn't mean four working sets because usually the set before the failure set is also a working set. But the last set is usually a failure set, meaning I've decided that whatever number I did previously, like let's say on the third set I did, let's say I'm doing four sets for bench press, right? And on the third set I did 315 and I did it for six, but I could have done 10 but I was just counting to six. Okay, I'm gonna do that 315 again, but I'm gonna try and hit 10. And if I hit 10, I'm gonna try and hit 11. If I hit 11, I'm gonna go and try hit 12. So the failure set means, could mean you're gonna use the same weight again, but go to failure with it, meaning you're not gonna stop until you literally, you literally can't do a set or even a rep or even, even half a rep. Sometimes I'll go until I'm half repping and then I'll be like, okay, now I'm done. Um, or it could mean uh, for your third set, you did 275 
and you did it for eight time, eight reps and you're like, okay, I'm going to go up and go to 315 and do six or eight reps. Uh, and then that 315 would be your failure. You fail at six or fail at eight and then that's your last set. So, and then failure can also be a number of different things, right? Like failure could be, I did 315 for six. I failed at six, but then I stripped a plate off and now I did, I did 225 again for another six. And then I start to play it off and I did 135 again for 10 more reps. And then I, now I can't move at all. I'm done. Okay. And if I really want to, I can strip off and do the bar until I can't move a period. Right. But you wouldn't do that. But, but like the term failure can be applied in many different ways. You can fail on one set. You can fail on a rest pause. You can fail on a drop set. You can fail. How hard do you want the muscle to fail is in your control, Right. For some programs, you don't want to, maybe you don't want to beat yourself down to a pulp. So you're like, I'm not going to do failure, then rest pause failure, then drop set failure all at once. You know, all I want to do is fail on this one set. So I'm going to put 315 on the bar. I'm going to do as many times as I can. I got six clean reps. Maybe I'm going to do two or three more partials, and then I'm going to get my partner to take it, and I'm going to rack the weight. Or if you're like, you know what, I'm kind of an advanced lifter. I feel like I need more torment to the muscle. Then you're going to do your 315. You're going to pause, wait for 10 seconds. You're going to do 315 again. Then you're going to pause for 10 or 15 seconds. And you might strip a plate off and do 225 again. And you'll go until you've actually destroyed the muscle completely for that one set. So failure encompasses many different meanings. Um, and it's applied many different ways. But for me, I apply it as in just the last set of each exercise. JCS, JC Swan 87 says, was wondering if you're going to come out with an ebook or trainer soon. Thank you for all the content. There's an ebook on the website. It's actually great. It has a, has a sample diet in it and a, a way for you to bring down your calories so you can get shredded. And it also has a very detailed four week program in there. Um, it, it doesn't just count the sets and reps for you. It actually gives you explanations of each exercise and how you should be doing them. So you guys can check out the ebook at hostile.com. As far as the trainer, I'm going to be working on a trainer right now because I'm about, I think I'm eight weeks out from my show this weekend. So I think we're going to document this last eight weeks uh, leading up to the show and then release that as a trainer. Don't hold me. Don't quote me on that. It's kind of in my head, but I haven't confirmed hundred percent yet. Uh, Zohair Kassam says, any plans for a standalone creatine product for hostile? Maybe down the road. I think it might be cool down the road, like down, down the road to have like a bunch of raw ingredients under hostiles banner, like, you know, hostile creatine, hostile glutamine, hostile taurine, hostile, hostile tyrosine. And then people can mix and match what they like. But as of now, it's, it's, it's definitely far down the road before we get into something like that. Uh, back Cartagena, Tagena, Gina. I don't know. Sorry guys. I'm trying. What's your opinion on the 36 raw egg diet from Vince Garando? Uh, I think it's stupid, I guess. I don't know. I, look, anything can, if it works, great. Let's just put it that way. If, if you did 36 raw eggs a day and you got huge, more power to you. Keep doing it. Personally, I'm not drinking 36 raw eggs. So to me, it's stupid. Uh, I would rather eat my eggs. Uh, cooked and I don't want to eat 36 of them because it's going to ruin my stomach and it's not going to feel very good. So, uh, it's not for me. 
Sun and Shine 74 says, too bad you don't deliver to Germany. Uh, we will, we are working on it. Okay. So I want to explain something to you guys. A lot of you guys asked me like, when are you going to be delivering here? When are you going to be delivering there? I think by January 1st, we're going to have our EU uh, warehouse set up and we'll be able to cover all of Europe uh, for shipping and it should be faster shipping and cheaper shipping. So I appreciate you guys, um, you know, the excitement and the demand for the brand, but I also appreciate you guys being understanding that we're still growing slowly and um, we're working on getting things to you guys as soon as possible. The real Xavier Bond says, will the inner part of my chest grow as my chest grows or should I do movements for the inner middle chest? Uh, there isn't really an inner middle chest. So your chest is made up of an upper lower and then a pec minor, right? So, but you can stress, like the fibers run this way in your chest, right? They run across. You can stress the inner part of the fiber, right? There's no inner chest. Like there's not a separate piece here for your inner chest, but you can stress the inside of the muscle fibers by doing, you know, like hex press or doing flies or doing, you know, some movements that really emphasize the center of your chest um, to help build it. So your inner chest, you know, going back to your question, your inner chest will, should grow with your chest, like as your chest grows. But even me, like you can see, I don't know if you can see through my shirt, but there's a gap here, right? There's a gap right here. It's like a good, you know, quarter inch right all the way through and it, it meets right about here. So there's a gap down, down here. Not everybody has that. Like my training partner, Paul, his chest connects all the way to the bottom, but that's just, it's a genetic thing, right? Like no matter how many, like a hex press is when you put the dumbbells together and you push up, it fires the inside of my chest like crazy. No matter how many of those I do, this gap is always going to be there because that's genetic. Like you have, everybody has insertion points where their muscle inserts. It's like my bicep, right? Like some people's bicep is short. So it creates a higher peak and some biceps are long. So it creates like more of a hill instead of a peak. So your chest is the same way. Some of us have pecs that insert here. So there's a gap there. And some of us have pecs that insert like together. So there's no gap. So if you have a gap there and you can like, you're touching bone, you may never, you may never be able to fill that gap. It may always be there. Um, but regardless, you can still stress the inner part of your chest by doing hex press or doing cable crossovers or, you know, dumbbell flies. There's a lot of different movements you can get to do to, to stress that inner part of your chest. Pat Seguin Maureen says, Oh, I'm not going to not answering those guys. Uh, Andre Singh says, what kind of pre-workout do you recommend for someone who has never taken one stim or no, no stim? Uh, I don't think our, our stim pre-workout hostility has too much stim in it that it would make you go crazy. I think if you want to try it, I would probably start with half a scoop. So take half a scoop of hostility, see how it feels, see what the stim feels like, see what your energy's like, and then you can decide if you want to add a full scoop. Honestly, a lot of people are fine with half a scoop. A lot of people message me and say they take half a scoop of hostility because it's still, it's still 13 grams in half a scoop. Like our full scoop is 26 grams, 26 and a half which is like double everybody else's. So most people are used to taking, you know, 10 to 12, 13 gram scoops, which is what half of hostility is. So you could take half the hostility scoops, see how it feels. If you like the feeling, just keep taking half. If you feel like it didn't really do much and you want more, then take the full amount. Um, 
if you don't want stim at all, just take bloodshot. I could, you could take the full serving and you know, you're not going to, nothing weird is going to happen. You're not going to feel cracked out or too energized or anything like that. You're just going to get a really good pump. So uh, with bloodshot, you could probably try the full serving if you want, but again, you might not need it because the full serving is 32 grams. You can get away with half a serving is 16 grams. It's still more than everybody else on the most other companies on the market. So um, I would buy either one. If you want stim, buy hostility. If you don't want stim, buy bloodshot. And I would start with half a scoop or half a serving of each one and see how you like it. And then increase from there if you need to. Um, from watching your podcast with Justin Harris, uh, CJNE95 says, from watching your podcast with Justin Harris, he spoke about whey isolate and how the body won't absorb it all as it passes through too quickly. Would a protein blend then be better than an isolate? Well, it depends. I personally want the isolate. Okay. Let me say it this way. I think if you're trying to use a protein as a meal replacement, then maybe a blend makes sense. But I think if you want to slow it down, I would still use an isolate and just add a peanut butter, a scoop of peanut butter to it, and that will slow it down. But most likely, like for me, when I use protein powder, it's post-workout. I'm trying to get fat nutrients into my body fast. So I'm not sure if Justin's right about the absorption rate. I think it's going to vary from protein to protein, depending on how it's made. But I want it to be fast. I want it to get in as quickly as possible. And that's the benefit to using a whey isolate post-workout. That's where all the studies are done. All the studies, not all, I shouldn't say all the studies. The majority of studies are done on protein, on whey protein isolate when they're, when they're talking about performance. So uh, that's what we're going to release is a whey protein isolate because I think that's the most beneficial to what we're trying to do. I'm not, when I'm ready to release a meal replacement, it probably won't be made with isolate. But right now, all of our products are performance products. They're, they're made to help you perform better or just be a better bodybuilder. And that's why the protein fits in well, because that's what whey isolate is for, is for your performance and recovery. So putting it, um, putting a really fast digesting protein post-workout is exactly what our body wants when we're done. Craig Knowles one says, Hani always seems to get his competitors freaky 3D. What is his coaching and training style different from others? And also would love to see Hani Rambot on the podcast. Well, Hani is not going to be on the podcast because he's passed probably two or three times. So I don't, I don't ask anybody after they pass a couple times. Um, so Hani won't be on the podcast, unfortunately, uh, unless he calls and asks me, which I don't, don't think is going to happen because, yeah, I don't think, I just think he's got his own podcast now. I don't, I don't think he wants to do interviews. I don't know. So that's fine. Uh, as far as his athletes being freaky 3D, I think, the type of athletes you train helps, right? Like, I mean, Hani has been very fortunate to pick athletes that are very good genetically. So not taking anything away from Hani's coaching style. I just don't think there's anything about it that is dramatically better. He, the one thing I could say about Hani is he's very good at getting the best out of his athletes. So he makes his athletes work to their potential so when you combine that with the genetic specimens he's been working with, you get a really, really good athlete. And I think that's what's been happening. He's getting guys that are genetically gifted uh, more so than the rest of us, like Phil Heath or Jay Cutler or, you know, Jeremy Buendia or name the athlete, right? They're all very, excuse me, they're all very genetically gifted. 
And then when you add Hani's coaching style, which is like, Hey, are you training? Are you training? Are you training? Like, are you on it? And he gets the most out of his athletes that way. You end up getting a very good product at the end. But as far as like the methods he uses, there's nothing that, you know, we did together anyway. You know, I worked with Hani for two or three years. There's nothing that we did that's dramatically different. Um, like as far as food set up or anything like that. Hank Hill says, since Mr. Olympia has been moved to December, will you have a booth at the expo this year? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's a little too soon for us still. Um, I think we hope to have one next year. KW Peter 93 says, have you guys, have you guys on a training day experienced this? You ate your meals up to training, drank plenty of water, got a good rest the night before you go train and there's no pump or contraction in the muscle, but the next day you're sore as fuck. I'm sure it has to do with electrolytes, but maybe there's another reason. Um, I haven't experienced that. Usually if I'm sore the next day, it's because I had a really good workout. If I had a really good workout, usually I got a really good pump. So I don't know. I don't really know how to answer that. Cause I don't, if I get sore, that means I had a great workout. Right. And if I had a great workout, I can't think of a workout I, I thought I can't think of a workout I had that was amazing that didn't give me a great pump. So yeah, I'm not sure. Uh Stellaliciousness says, any plans on releasing dry fit apparel? I don't think so. Maybe in the future. I'm not a huge fan of it myself, but um uh, it could be something we'll look into. Haseeb Akhtar says, Hey, how many meals should be done in a week for each muscle group? Wait, I read that wrong. I apologize. How many sets should be done in a week for each muscle group? For example, I'm doing arms two times a week. And how many sets should I do total for one week? Don't count it for the week, count it for the workout. So if you're doing arms, you generally want to do nine to 12 sets. Nine to 12 sets per arm workout, okay? So just don't complicate things by counting it for how many sets per week per workout. What are you doing? That's, that's kind of the way you should look at it. Eric Shun says, is it okay for guys with smaller bills to use your products? I look nothing like you or your friends. I'm only 5'9", 175. Eric, our products are made for people that are serious, but they're not made for just bodybuilders. They're made for anybody who wants a really good product and is really serious about the products they put in their body. Uh, it doesn't matter if you're 100 pounds, 200 pounds, or 300 pounds a good pump product is going to be a good pump product and a good pre-workout is going to be a good pre-workout and essential aminos are going to be necessary, whether you're hundred pounds or 300 pounds and you just started training or you've been advanced. Um, there's nothing about our products that a beginner can't take or shouldn't take. And there's nothing about our products that an, an advanced lifter doesn't need. So it is extremely important for me to, to, emphasize that there's no there's no secrets like people think like well because things have to be drastically different because i'm a beginner and when i'm an intermediate i can do this differently and i can do that differently i'll tell you guys the truth man my training and diet and nutrition has been the same for 20 years sure my diet's become a little little more refined i don't eat as much junk and i know more about nutrition so i don't eat like you know, chef boy RD for my carbs and shit. But overall, my methods are the same bulk hard, get big, diet hard, get shredded, you know, be left, left with 10 pounds of muscle that year. 
um, you know, train your ass off, train to failure on the last set of ex- every exercise, have a good working set for the, the one before that. Um, train, you know, do a pro split where you train one or two body parts a day. Uh, that's just all of these things have worked for me since day one, take pre-workouts and take protein powders and take, I never thought like when I started, I wasn't like, well, I'm not an intermediate yet. So I can't take protein powder and I can't take pre-workouts. And I can't take, get all the stuff you know how to get and start it right away. If you know, if you know that our pre-workout is the best pre-workout on the market and you're just starting out, grab that pre-workout and use it to the best of your ability. Start with half a scoop, get to feeling and then increase from there. But there is no difference. I mean, look, it's, we're all just trying to build muscle. It doesn't matter if you just started yesterday or if you've been doing it for 20 years like me, we're just trying to build muscle and eating and training your ass off is the way to build muscle. So don't think I'm new. I have to go get some pre-workout that doesn't work because I'm new. No, it's actually more important for you to take a good pre-workout because you're new and you need, you need to help in the gym. You need the recovery. You need, you know, the push past those failure sets. So a good pre-workout can help you do that. So yeah, I don't, I don't want people to get that impression that they need to be professional bodybuilders to use our products. That's not, that's not the case at all. Uh, H jock says what movements helped you grow your quads the most, you know, honestly, the, the best, this is going to sound so barbaric, but the best meathead year, the best, the best quad building year I had, I didn't do any fluffy shit. I think I literally did leg press squats and hack squats every week and nothing else. Just those three exercises. And I would do like eight sets of each. And somebody said to me, you want you to do some lunges? Why don't you do some leg extensions? I'm like, they're not going to build as much mass. I'm not doing it. I'm sticking to only the exercises that are going to help me build mass. Those are the only ones I care about. And it worked. It worked. I would go in, I would do seven, eight, nine sets of leg press, you know, four, five, six sets of squats, another four, five, six sets of uh, hack squats. And before I knew it, my legs have blown up. So, you know, I don't, uh, now looking back, I, I think it might've been, it was probably would have been good for me to do some leg extensions, do some walking lunges, things that would maybe would have created a little more shape for my legs, but just putting on sheer mass. I don't know. There's not really much you can beat when it comes to leg press, hack squats and squats. Those are the mass building exercises. Grizzly Jim Rat says, what is something you pros do to help with your discipline? Is there training techniques you work for your mind to keep that strong. Uh, no, it's just not wanting to be shit. So there, there's no more, you know, I've said the speech over and over again. I don't want to say it again, but there's no, the motivation is awesome. Okay. I love motivation. I love when I hit a YouTube channel by accident and it's some guy's training his ass off. I'm like, man, I gotta go to the gym or like a Machiavelli motivation puts out a Uh, a new training video with Ronnie and Dorian and they're killing it. And I'm like, Oh, I'm motivated. I want to get to the gym, but that's such a small fraction of time. It's like, like if this is, if this is the line, right. When I see like a Dorian video, it'll go like this. And then it's back to normal. Just like a little bump and then back to normal. That's it. That's all I get. I get like five minutes. Okay. Dorian's awesome. I gotta get off the couch and go to the gym. The rest of it's fueled by me. Right. There's, there's, there's no, 
lasting motivation where like you're just always motivated like whether you you just saw the video or whether it's like you saw it yesterday you're still motivated that's not how it works your motivation comes from within you have to you have to remind yourself i want to be great i want to get to the olympia i want to win a show i want to look awesome i want to have abs i want to whatever it is you want to do that's your motivation that the way I stay motivated is it's right here. It's the focal point is here at all times, right? It's not like, oh man, I saw this Dorian video and I got really amped up and I'm ready to go to the gym now. Yeah, okay. But that wore off five minutes later. Now what's there? What's left? Nothing. It's you in your head. You in your own head, are, that's all there is, right? And what you got to do to keep your motivation is keep, you do a goal that you had in your mind, keep it right in the front, keep it right here, right? Because a lot of people will wake up and they'll have a, a thought right here and they'll think, I want to be great. I want to have a great physique. I want to look like Simeon Panda. I want to have a small waist and big shoulders and a big back and I want to be real good looking and that's it. I'm working it, right? Because they saw a picture of Simeon Panda come up on their, on their Instagram. But like an hour later, they're like, okay, they finished their cardio. They're having their breakfast. Like, oh, I'm really hungry. You know what? I think I'm going to have a muffin with my breakfast. I don't need to look like Simeon Panda. That's what motivation does. It fucking goes away. It disappears, right? It's there when you see the photo. An hour later, you forgot the photo. It's gone now. That's why motivation sucks. That's why you can't rely on motivation. Motivation is a spark, right? Motivation is a spark, and then there has to be fire and fuel. The spark is only, how long does the spark last? That's a spark, gone, right? Then there has to be fuel and fire, and that fuel and fire is right here. Because you saw the picture of Simeon Panda, right? And you're like, oh, this guy looks amazing. And then you're like, I want to look like that. So you create the vision in your mind of what you would look like if you, if you looked like, if you had his physique. That has to stay there. That's what drives me. If you ask me what drives you to go to the gym, that's what drives me. I saw Dorian Yates one day and I was like, holy shit, motivation. Then what happened was I'm like, how can I look like that? Right? And I started to formulate a plan. And then I started to figure out how to effectively execute the plan. What do I have to do next? What steps do I have to take? Okay, I have to go to the gym this much. Okay, I have to eat this many meals. Okay, I have to take these supplements. Okay, I have to, oh, I have to do it every day. Oh, I got to eat every two hours. Oh, this is a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. But it's stuck there. So nothing changes. It's every day, every day, 24-7. And the same is going to apply to any other thing in your life that you want to be great at. You, you, you started a business. Guess what? I started a business, right? What's the first thing that happens? You look at another business and you go, holy shit, look at this business. Then it's stuck there. And it's like, okay, I want to have that. How do I have that? Then you got to formulate a plan. Then you create the plan and you go, okay, how do I get there? Oh, I got to do that. I got to do this thing every day. I got to wake up and do this. I got to have this meeting and that meeting. And I got to, the motivation is simply a spark, right? And then your fuel is What's in your mind is the fuel for the fire, right? And if your mind is weak or the vision's not strong or you don't really want it, you just thought you wanted it, that fuel's gone, right? There's no fire now. 
if you really want something, you create a plan after you see the spark, after you see the vision that you want, after you get the motivation, you take that motivation and you formulate a plan and you put in your mind what it is that you want to look like or what, what your business is going to look like, what, what home you want to own, what car you want to buy, whatever the motivation is, whatever the thing you want is, you, you have that set up and then you start working. That's discipline, right? That's why people say motivation is fleeting. Discipline is forever because that's the, that's the thing that carries you through the spark disappears. And then the discipline is the fuel. The thing that gets you out of bed every morning and takes your ass to the fucking gym to do your cardio. The thing that brings you home and has you cook your meals when you don't feel like eating, you don't feel like cooking, doing the dishes when the sink is full because you have to cook another meal and get it in or pack your food when you go to work and take it all in a Tupperware and a big fridge, all that shit. That's what carries you through. That's the work. That's the discipline. Don't, don't think motivation is going to carry you through anything. Nobody asks me about motivation anymore. Nobody bring up the word motivation anymore. Motivation is nothing. Motivation is a spark in time and then it's gone. The discipline, the work, the want, the desire, the passion. Those are the things that carry you through to your ultimate goal. Not the picture that you saw of somebody or the video you saw of somebody or you know, you saw somebody with a flashy car and you're like, oh, I want to own that. But you don't really feel it. You're just like, oh, I'd love to have one of those. That's nothing. That, that's, that won't get you anywhere. Learn to do the work. Learn, learn to formulate the plan and do the steps as they come at you and take every challenge as it comes at you. And you will fall a thousand times, but you'll keep going. And then that discipline will carry you to your goal. And that's the longest winded answer I've ever given <laughs> to, to a question. So I apologize to you guys, but that kind of thing gets me worked up because it's so easy to just be like, to just see a video of somebody like, oh man, I really want that. Yeah, but it's, it's so hard. And it's not because bodybuilding's hard because I'm applying this to any profession anywhere. It's so hard to take something that's just a thought and develop it and work on it and take time, years, years and years and years to really see this thing through, right? Not many people can do that. And if you ever become successful in life, that means you're one of the people that did it. You're one of the people that had a thought, developed a plan, and pushed yourself every single day, whether you were pissed off, depressed, sad, happy, motivated, not motivated, you're the one who made it. While the other people who are waiting for more motivation are just sitting there wishing they were you, right? You, you, everybody has that tool. It's just, you have to bring it out of yourself. Anyway, on to the next one. How close are we getting hostile, hostile in the UK? Uh, like I said earlier in the podcast, uh, the Ireland, we have, a, we have a fulfillment center in Ireland that we're looking at, uh, a warehouse in Ireland that we're looking at, and we will be, hopefully have that set up. I'm hoping to have the plans done for it by uh, January 1st. So if we get, we're, we're still a few months out. 
Um, do you actually need to take time off stimulant pre-workouts? Uh, I don't think it depends on how much I, I don't want to say yes or no, because it's, it's not really a good idea for me to say yes or no, because some pre-workouts out there have a lot of stimulants, you know, four, five, six, 700 milligrams of different stimulants. And I think when you're getting into those kind of numbers, it could do your body some good. I'm not saying you have to, but it could do your body some good to take some time off and let your adrenal glands rest and let your body like, you know, cause it's also raising your blood pressure too. Right. So you're spiking your blood pressure hard every day with that amount of stimulants. So it's good. I think to take a break once in a while for a week, it's going to be really hard at first, but when you get back to it, you know, if you're double or triple scooping something, you can probably go back to one scoop and get that same feeling. So I think it is, is a good thing to cycle them on and off. Now, if you're using our pre-workout like hostility, we only have 300 milligrams of caffeine. So I think 300 milligrams of caffeine is like a cup of coffee and a half or something like that. So I don't think we've overdone it enough that you have to take time off, but even I do like sometimes like I have bloodshot and I have hostility, right? I like using them on separate days. Uh, and sometimes I'll do a whole week of bloodshot, but then I'll be like, you know what? I'm kind of tired today. I'll take a scoop of hostility and it's just way more effective than, um, stimulant wise, not performance wise, but stimulant wise, I feel it a lot more because I had a week off of those, that caffeine. Um, so I, I, I don't know if, I don't think you have to with hostility, but if you want to get the most out of your products, I feel like it's a good idea. Like if you bought bloodshot and you bought hostility, a really good idea would be like on the days you're not tired, just take bloodshot. And on the days you maybe you worked, you know, you worked more hours at work and you need some, you need an extra boost. You take the hostility and that way you never get used to either one and your body is always really, really fresh with both. So it's a good way to do it. I think, uh, is it true that hostile subs will make you grow faster and get stronger and more efficiently because of awesome blood flow and nutrient delivery? Uh, that's a, that's kind of a, I can't really say that. Um, I think hostile supplements are very effective at what they're built to do, which is give you a great pump, um, increase mental focus, um, help aid with strength and recovery. And most of all, one of my favorite things is increased endurance output. So I think we've been very proficient in building out some really, really great formulas but I can't sit here and say that our formula is going to make you bigger and stronger than everybody else's. What I can say is that I'm very confident that our formula can uh, make the claims that we have made about them. Uh, what is your approach to training calves and abs? I think the best calf development time for me was when I was training calves three times a week, I would do three different days, uh, three different exercises on each day. Uh, I would have one light day, two heavy days. And then for abs, uh, since I started dieting about six weeks ago, I've been doing abs every morning. I do vacuums every morning. And I started doing some really not light, but not heavy rope crunches, but very slow and in control. So I can really, really feel the, the muscle. Um, but I do them every day. I do the vacuums every day. The rope crunches like probably two or three times a week. Um, but the vacuums are every day and I feel like it's starting to work. I'm getting better stomach control. And I feel like um, strengthening my TVA, my transverse abdominus is actually making my waist tighter. For those of you who don't know, the TVA is like the sheath. It's like a, it's a kind of like a circular muscle that wraps up your core. And 
doing vacuums kind of tightens that, right? And it makes it stronger. So the more you can tighten that, the smaller your waist is going to look. So I do the vacuums every morning. I'm sure there's a lot of tutorials on YouTube about how to do vacuums, so you can look them up. Um, but that's, uh, that's my ab routine. Jack Blumen says, what are your thoughts on Greg's video about why Ian Valer dropped him? I, I don't agree with him. Me, me and Greg don't agree on everything. I think Greg does his thing. Greg's a smart guy. Um, I think Ian, I think Ian did his own thing because he wanted somebody, look, it's like me. Okay. I'm not going to speak for Ian. Ian. Ian already spoke for Ian and then Greg deciphered it his way. So you can believe who you choose to believe. Ian, Ian said why he left. Uh, well, what I will say for myself is I always want to work with a coach that has done what I've done uh, and been where I've been. That's number one uh, prerequisite. Uh, and number two is I want to work with a coach who's worked with people of my level or caliber or size. So if I'm used to, so if I go hire a coach, right. And I look at this coach and he's got like a thousand athletes and they're all shredded. They're all amazing, but they're all 190 pounds. It does. It gives me the confidence that he knows what he's doing, but it doesn't give me necessarily the confidence that he's going to know what he's doing with me. So my prerequisites for finding a coach are, have you lived the life? Because I need you to know when I'm telling you, I feel like shit. I need to know that you know what I'm talking about. So you don't have to live it now. Like, but all of like the top coaches were bodybuilding, well, except for Chad, but Chad used to lift. So Chad would know, and he lived with Miss Olympia for a long time. So I'm sure he's seen the ins and outs, right? But, you know, Hani was a, was a, a natural bodybuilder. Chris Aceto is a bodybuilder. John Meadows is a bodybuilder. Dennis James is a bodybuilder. I work with all these guys, right? Uh, John, John Meadows, for example, has trained guys my size. That's the second prerequisite. So first one is that he's been there, which he has. He's a pro and he's competed. But the second one is that, I want to know that he's coached somebody my size because, you know, for example, Hunter, Hunter Labrada will say it's like landing a plane, right? Landing a plane, landing a massive plane is probably harder than landing a small plane. And that's an an analogy that Hunter brought up one day on a podcast. And I thought it was a really good analogy. It's actually true. I think that, you know, dialing somebody in for a show is different when they're 260 pounds on stage than it is when you're dialing somebody in for a show and they're 200 pounds on stage. Your water manipulation is going to be different. The way their body reacts to their carbs is going to be different. I feel like there's a lot of different variables. And, you know, if I had to guess, I would say that Ian just wanted to work with somebody who's been in the shoes that he wants, like has been where he wants to go. And cause that's how I think I'm like, I want to work with somebody who's been there or worked with someone who's been there. And then it makes me feel more confident that they know that they're going to know exactly what I'm feeling or what I want and what I need. Um, but you know, everybody look like Greg's a great coach. He's got a lot of great athletes is, you know, he coached Ian. I mean, he got him shredded. Right. So it doesn't mean that Ian was right for leaving, but Ian had his reasons and you know, whether Greg agrees with them or not, those are Ian's reasons and they're valid. And each athlete has to be comfortable with the coach that they work with. And if he had, if he feels like he outgrew him, uh, that's fine. The one thing that Greg said that, well, he, he thought he went to Dennis because of drugs and whatever. I, I don't agree with that. Um, like I said, Ian said why he left. Greg said why he thinks he left. Those two can sort it out. 
I just gave you my opinion as to why I choose the coaches I choose. And I think Ian's the same way, but you know, you have to ask Ian for a more direct answer. Tommy Elm says, if you're prone to gyno when jumping on a cycle, would I, would you run? Uh, I don't want to, you know what guys, we don't want to talk about, we're going to talk about gear on this channel. So I'm going to skip that one. Um, thoughts on a GDA supplement and do you use them? Um, I don't, I don't, I've never ever used a glucose disposal agent. For those of you who don't know what a glucose disposal agent is, it's supposed to help drive carbs into the muscle. So if you have like an extremely high carb day, like let's say you're doing like five, six, seven, 800 grams of carbs one day, you probably add a, a glucose disposal agent to help your body use, utilize more of the carbs that you're eating. Um, some people take them when they eat cheat meals. Like if I'm eating like a, a burger and fries, I might add a glucose disposal agent to help get the carbs to go where they need to go. I've never used one. Uh, I don't, I don't want to say they don't work. I would say it's a luxury, a luxury item. So if money's no object to you and you're buying supplements, I don't think it's going to hurt. Uh, but I also don't think it's necessary or a needed option. And I don't think hostile will, I don't know if we're going to make one anytime soon, maybe way down the road, but uh, I usually like to stick to stuff that I like or like I use. So I, I've never used one of those. So I don't know if we'll ever make one, but uh, I think they do. They do something. I just think it's more of a luxury item than a necessity. Um, okay, guys, we've been going for a while here, so I, I'm not probably not going to get to all 70. I'm going to read a couple more. Um, how hard would it be to compete in your early 30s after not competing for about 10 years? Uh, I don't think it'd be hard. I think you just need to give yourself the time to come back. So I think if you haven't competed in 10 years, you're not just going to get back on, you know, get back in the gym and it's all going to come back in a day. You know, if you give yourself a year, you know, say like if you're 30 and you're like, okay, I want to start competing again. You, you don't pick the show that's three months away. You know, pick a show a year, year and a half away to give yourself a good amount of time to rebuild the physique maybe you once had or even improve on it. And then, but I think 30 is fine. I think honestly, I don't think I hit my prime until I hit 31 to 34, 30, 35. Yeah, honestly, like 31 to 36 was probably my prime. And it's most, it's most of our prime. Like if, if I ask most of the guys that come on my show, like, you know, all the guys, Hey, what's, what's your, what's the best, you know, they would say, uh, you know, their early thirties were probably, was probably the best time in their career. I mean, if you look at Sean Roden, the best time in his career was 40. So like, you know, it, it's, it's going to be different for everybody. Anybody who tells you like, Oh, you're 30 years old, you better, you might as well quit. They don't, I wouldn't listen to that person. I would just, you know, move on and do what you do, what you want to do and give you, you know, as long as you're focused and you're giving it everything you got, I don't think there's any reason why uh, you can't, be as great as your genetics will allow you. Um, Mr. BC 2012, do you prefer push pull leg day splits or more of a traditional one body part a days? Mr. BC, I prefer a pro split, which is some of you call a bro split, but as you guys know, I don't do the bro thing. I call it a pro thing because most of the pros are doing the traditional uh, one or two body parts a day. And that's kind of what I've done. It's what I've always done even ever since day one. I think push pull legs is good. 
I, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. I think some people use it very, very effectively. It was just never right for me. I always felt like I couldn't fit all the stuff in I wanted to fit in on the day because otherwise I would be in the gym for like two and a half hours and I didn't want to do that. So I chose to break everything down to individual days or two body parts in a day max. Maddie Babalos says, how did you start the supplement company? How many steps? How long did it take you? Much love, big huss. That's with a U, not an O. Um, how did I start the supplement company? Well, I started with the t-shirts. So we started with the t-shirts. I started about a year. I started about a year before the supplements. Uh, we started launching the t-shirts and people kind of liked the shirts and they were selling. I was enjoying it. I was enjoying building out the shirts. I wasn't very good at the marketing side of things. Um, as in like how the website looked and how like my strategies for marketing the product, but I was enjoying like I had started a business. I was making pretty good money with the t-shirts. And uh, when I left the last supplement company I was, was with, cause they were, they were stealing from me. So I was like, yeah, I don't want to, I don't want to work with them anymore. I'm leaving. Um, and they were stealing from my wife. So I was like, we both should just leave because they're stealing from us. And so we did. And when we left, I'm like, you know, we should start our own thing. So we left and we started, we started, figuring it all out. I'm like, okay, I got the, I got the supplement company going. I got the, sorry, I got the t-shirt go, company going so we can use that. Um, it was, you know, my wife has been in research and marketing for 15 years. So it was almost like we completed each other because I already had kind of the front end of going with the t-shirts. I had the videos and the, you know, I was doing the designs and I had everything going and then she came along and made it all work because she was like, okay, we're going to do this strategy and that strategy. And the website's going to look like this and this is going to look like that. And then we started to work together on how the bottles were going to look. And then we started to work together on what the formula should look like. And it all started to really just blend together. And I feel like the best stuff we've done is stuff that we both had input on. And then like I've told people in other videos, there's stuff that she does that I don't know how to do. And there's stuff that I do that she can't do. And it's just become a really good team. And um, I guess the steps were, you know, after we were both free from the last company we were with, we we're like, okay, well, I think we should just put together some formulas. And I had already had some in my mind that I liked that I thought would be really, really good. Cause I, this is something I was actually going to do for, I was actually going to do this the first time about three years ago. So I'd had some stuff kind of formulated from back then, but that, that deal never worked out. So I waited. So what we did was we took the base formula that I had already kind of built out and then she added some input and then I added some more input. We kind of just kept building on it until we found the formula that we currently have. Then after that, we had to do the flavor testing. We went to the manufacturing. We, we met the manufacturer. We saw the plant. We, we okayed it. We, we knew we were in a good place. We did a lot of flavor testing. We tested out the products and how they, they tasted and went through a lot of revisions, a lot of revisions. Then the label, the label, we went through like a thousand revisions. Like if I showed you guys the very first label versus the last label, you'd be like, whoa, that's a totally different thing, right? Um, so everything was kind of coming, everything kind of came together. It took time. It took a lot of time. We, we originally wanted to launch the company like in January and it just wasn't going to be possible because we had left the other company like in September, I think. Well, she had left before me, but I left in September. So it was only like, you know, it was only four months. It wasn't enough time for us to put together like a proper, 
what we really wanted to put out. So we had to push the opening date from January to March. Uh, that gave us, a, you know, a few more months to get things together properly. And then it kind of just, it all clicked, man. Like the, the, the label started to look perfect. And then the formulas started to look perfect. I was testing the formulas while this is a, a while, all this is going on. I'm testing, I'm training and I'm testing formulas. I'm training, I'm testing formulas. I'm testing flavors and I'm like, we're going back and forth to manufacturer. They're sending us new formulas and we're, or new flavors and I'm sending them back. I'm going to know it's not good enough. And they would send me a new one and we'd go back and forth and we would add some ingredients and take away some ingredients. And I'm like, no, no, this is no good. Oh, this one's better with this much, you know, this dose and this one's better with this product. And it was really, when I think back, it was pretty awesome. <laughs> it was very, it was a lot of fighting. I'll tell you, like me and my wife have gotten really, really good at working together because I was very like, I want it my way when we started. And, and she's very much like me. So she's like, no, no, I know what we're doing. We're doing it this way. And we get bickered and bickered and bickered. And we finally now, you know, we're, we're almost, almost a year into like when we originally started and we are just coming along, man. It's like, we're really humming along. Like everything is like, she knows where she stands. I know where I stand. We both have our roles set up for each other. We both know where we work together well. And uh, when I think back about the start of the company, I'm actually, it makes me smile because I'm like, there was a lot of revisions. Like the label, I can't express to you guys the label, how many different, it just, it's like a thousand different. The, <laughs> the designer would send us the thing and I'm like, okay, it's great. And Summer would come down and go, no, no, it needs this. So I'm like, no, it's great. She was like, no, 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 let's just look. So she, the guy would send, send it back to the designer. The designer would send us the new one. And I'd be like, oh yeah, you know what, Summer, you're right. Maybe we should add this. And she'd be like, no, no, it looks good. I'm like, well, let's just see. So we would send it back. He'd bring it back, send it another one. And she'd be like, oh yeah, that does look better. Okay, what if we did this? And then we would just keep doing that and doing that and doing that. And like, honestly, like it had to be, if I realistically had to pick a number, it had to be like 30, 30 or 40 revisions and our designer is so patient and so nice that he did them all without complaint. And we finally nailed. And I feel like, you know, this, this is like, like this, I couldn't be prouder of this. Like this is a, cause it's exactly, it's, it's exactly what we both wanted. Like it has all the elements that we both liked. And um, yeah, anyway, I'm taking you guys down a memory lane. That's I'm enjoying myself because I'm probably bored with by now. So Anyway, it was exciting and we're here and it's still really exciting. It's still really new. And we still have a lot of new products to develop. And um, the thing is we're, we're, we're not a huge mega company with endless amounts of cash. So we can't just put out a full line of products all in one day and you know, all this stuff we have to, we're taking our time and things are going really, really well and I, I'm enjoying it. And um, it's all thanks to you guys. You know, the support you guys give us is, is amazing. So thank you guys. And uh, I can't thank you enough. And we're going to keep on trying to do well with our customer service and well with our shipping. And, and we're going to keep trying to put out good formulas for you guys. And we're always listening to you guys. So if you guys have feedback, you know, I'm always listening. I'm always watching. I always know like if you guys want something to taste better, if you guys want something to look better, if you guys want a formula that, you know, you think might work, you know, I'm open to any feedback, you know, it doesn't mean we're going to do everything that you want. But, you know, the things that make sense, we will do. And I always enjoy people's opinions. So I think, honestly, the, 
I can't remember who it was, but I think the hostility name came from a fan because I think we may have put up something that said, you know, name, name our, name our pre-workout. And I think somebody wrote hostility and I was like, I kind of like that. So we are watching, we are listening and we, and I like the connection that I have to you guys. So it makes it the company a little more special because we're not just some big massive company that doesn't connect at all with our, our supporters. So anyway, that's it guys. I'm gonna stop rambling now. It's like two hours. I might break this whole video up into like different sections. Um, but thank you guys for sending in the questions. Thank you guys for watching and thank you guys for all the support for hostile. Um, a lot of new stuff coming this month. So check it out. Thanks guys.